Hello, Julie. Ryan, we're back again. We're back on the Environmental Heroes podcast. We are. And today we have a very exciting guest. All of our guests are exciting. And all of them leave me just thinking, man, so much to do, but it's so exciting. I know. How invigorating are these conversations we've been having? I just feel so alive afterwards and inspired. Yeah, totally. Especially on this absolutely freezing Canberra morning. (laughs) It is a freezing Canberra morning. And... We've got Brooke Clinton coming in today. Dr. Brooke Clinton. Dr. Brooke Clinton, who's been out and about in the cold as she does most mornings, collecting people's food scraps. Out and about. For those of you who haven't heard of Dr. Brooke Clinton from Capital Scraps, which is such a cool name, um, she rides a bike around my suburb um, and collects people's composts. So people put it out their front step in little white yogurt containers usually that she often supplies and she will ride around, pick it all up and take it home because her backyard is basically one large composter. Pretty incredible, isn't it? She saw a problem that she wanted to fix um, because as we all learned, she did a lot of study into biodegradation um, at university in her PhD, but she just went out and found a solution. She went out against the odds, I would say, and ask people to pay for a service that essentially they're getting for free by throwing into the red bin, but to pay from a conscious point, I guess, which is a conscience point. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah, and it's thriving. It's been going for two years and as she was saying there, they've got five or six, we'll hear about um, community composters that they've built, like purpose-built composting services that they've built around, mostly around the inner north, but it's not just an inner north thing. Um, And (laughs) they're, you know, they're just going gangbusters. More and more people are subscribing for her service. Yeah. And uh, yeah, it's in demand. I have a lot of people actually call us at the Environment Centre trying to get in contact with Brooke because they want to start one of these compost services in their own suburb and she's just too busy. Um, out there composting and running this business as well as being the director of another local organisation, Sea Change. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Well, I need to hear more about composting because I have to admit we've had two, three, I think we're up to three failed composting attempts at yes. home. Because <laughs> um, <laughs> you think like you just stick your food scraps in and we have a lot of food scraps. Yep. We cook a lot. It's yep. my, my defence. And we put it all in the compost bin and kind of walk away and go, there you go, compost done. Yes, but, but not quite. Well, that's the thing, right? <laughs> Bit smelly, doesn't yep. really work. Husband gets out there with a shovel, goes, oh, man, got to start again. And yep. So we start again. So I want Brooke to tell me what we're doing wrong. Oh, and she will. This is definitely one for the, the aspiring composters and the compost nerds amongst us. She gets real into it. Awesome. Well, yeah. let's hand it over to Dr. Brooke Clinton. All right. Local environment heroes, saving the trees and the bees and doing it daily. Okay. So with us today, we have Dr. Brooke Clinton. Brooke, hello. Hi, good morning. How are you guys going? Bit cold. Yes. Yeah. Thanks for joining <laughs> us on this cold camera morning, Brooke. That's okay. It's cold and crisp. So that's yeah. a good combo. <laughs> Um, we're going to start off, for those of you who have listened to our podcast previously, hopefully all of you listening have, um, we are just going to start off with a new question this time that we're going to put at the front of every interview because we think this is a good introductory question. So, Brooke, you're our guinea pig with this number one question. Okay. She's looking a bit scared. Don't be scared. <laughs> Don't be scared <laughs> Has there been a defining moment in your life where you've looked at the world and thought something needs to change? Oh. And if there has been, can you describe it? Oh, boy. Um, yeah, it's, it's something that I don't talk about a lot, but, uh, 
a close family member of mine died and died too young. Um, and the effect that that had on me was I thought, well, it's, it's kind of unfair and, you know, I was in a slump and thinking, oh, why did this have to happen? And it was a complex situation. But um, what I came out of it was that, well, they didn't get a chance to live their life fully, so to honour them, I would like to live my life fully. And to me, that means living with purpose. Um, so then I had to go off and find my purpose. <laughs> <laughs> and that, that took a while. <laughs> but yeah, that's basically wow. turn around. Yeah. That's an amazing start. Um, yeah. So you, I guess building on from that and finding your purpose, like we, our little bit of research about you, um, You've got so many skills and talents, like it's quite yeah, incredible. Well <laughs> Scientific <laughs> research, public service um, in public administration, private industry, um, a PhD in... Yeah, it's kind of in biochemistry and microbiology, equal parts. Right. Yeah. Um, it was specifically in enzyme discovery work um, with cellulase enzymes, if we want to get technical. But um, that just basically means looking for those elements in um, biology that can do good stuff for us. Uh-huh. And so all of that combined, all of those experiences with the PhD, with that experience you spoke about at the very beginning, how did that kind of then funnel into having your backyard become a compost? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I was um, I was working in research um, and I... I love that and I love science and I love the, the lab work, the hands-on stuff and I love learning. Like I'm pretty sure I'll be a lifetime learner, <laughs> no doubt about that. Um, but I can be a little bit impatient sometimes. <laughs> so when it came to yeah thinking about living life fully, it's like, oh, okay, well, I'm kind of driven by seeing impact and, and seeing the effect of, of what I can do to try and make change in the world. <laughs> Um, so that, that kind of explains partly why I stepped away from research. I mean, working in research is, is a whole nother beast as well and it's not for everyone. So, um, yeah, and I guess I just wanted to be a bit more self-directed. So, um, all of that fed into me starting Capital Scraps Composting. Yes, which is so exciting, especially, I was just thinking before, are you Dr. Compost? I'll I'll take that. (laughs) Uh, Can you tell us a little bit about Capital Scraps Composting, how it started, um, what you're doing and why? It's a great name, by the way. Yes, it is. Oh, good. In the capital city of Australia and dealing with people's feed scraps. Yes. Yeah, um, it was really important to me that I put the word scraps in there because um, composting is great and we love the end product, but... um, we should be thinking about food waste avoidance as well. Ah, um, so scraps is quite deliberate because it's not capital waste. It's capital scraps. So exactly. it's the scraps, not the food waste because you shouldn't waste food in the first place. Yeah, so when we talk about wasting food, it's buying too much and then not eating it. And even though you might compost that leftover food and it is a resource, it's like if you're composting, you're using it as a resource and not a waste, so that's good. Um, but... Basically, we don't want to waste all those resources that go into growing the food. Um, we've got some big people in global economics talking about impending food shortages. So, um, yeah, we should be a bit more clever about 
that side of it and the food production and everything. But so hopefully we'll get to a point where at the end of the day we just have scraps left over. Like um, oh, I'm trying to think of a really good example. Every, <laughs> every scrap I can think of, like the end of a celery or banana peels or pumpkin rinds, like you can find someone that has found a way to use those in terms of food. Mm. <laughs> um, so, yeah, you can be really creative. But mo- for most people, you will have some scraps left over after meal preparation. And, yeah, the best place for them is in the compost heap. Yeah, it's a huge amount. Is it like a third of the food that we create, we waste, the food that we create for humans? Something yeah. Like that? That's yep. an insane number. Yeah. That's, and yeah. there's all sorts of things feeding into that, like the fact that we expect to see fully stocked supermarkets and yep. things like that. Yeah. And the fact that so many people then are going hungry. Yes. Like I feel the inequity there. Yeah. We talk about for a while, but we're not. We're going to talk about composting. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, because on the other side of that equation is our landfill and how much of that is actually organic waste, which is a huge amount. Again, close to half, is it? Or it's around a third maybe again? Yeah. Um, in terms of what goes into our red litter bins and which city you're in, people quote between 30 and 50%. Yeah. Um, so, and a lot of that is food that could have been used, um, but a lot of people are interested in getting that food waste out of the red littered bins, um, because that actually enables us to do better recycling with the rest of the content of those bins as well. So yeah, so many benefits. Mm. So when, when did you start Capital Scraps? This is a two years ago? Yeah, about two years ago and I kind of um, took it quite slowly at the start and did my own kind of R&D and um, collecting food waste off friends and a little bit from the farmer's market and that kind of thing and just made sure I got the processes really tight. Um, This is in terms of how you set up a compost in your backyard or the process of collecting and using all of those scraps or a bit of both? A bit of both but I guess, yeah, started with the, the process of composting um, because, and I like to repeat to people, there's no one right way of composting. Because <laughs> um, a lot of people just do fairly casual composting in their backyard with a heap. Um, and that's that's totally fine. But what I was looking to do is to um, get really high efficiency composting going. Mm. So um, it was lots and lots of fun playing around with that and seeing where were the limits in terms of how much food waste we could feed into a composter of a certain size and how much um, carbon materials we needed to balance um, all the nutrients out and things like that. Because composting, I guess, it's an art form, isn't it? Because it's all about the right balance of materials. Yeah, that's right. So if you're looking to do composting really well and perhaps produce compost compost in a shorter period of time, um, you can get really finicky about it. And, um, yeah, balancing the different components. And it's, it's – I like to think of it as a bioreactor. So in my previous research, I was running various types of bioreactors for different purposes. And that the whole aim in that situation is to modify the environmental conditions of this little system that you're looking at. And so a compost heap is the same thing. Mm. Have you found the perfect recipe? Yes. <laughs> Are you willing to share? If you, yes, yeah, totally. Um, if you want, um, if you want to produce, I mean, so our mission is to get the food waste out of the landfill, where we're not so interested in the end product. But if you do want to make compost, the best recipe is just food waste and autumn leaves. 
Like mm. it, you can break it down into those two simple kind of ingredients. But the food waste is amazing because especially if you get a diverse mix of food waste, you've, you've instantly got a really nice diverse mix of nutrients and trace elements and things and you've got the high water content because um, often, yeah, if compost heaps go dry, then they're just not going to be active because you've got to keep those microbes nice and moist. Mm. So would you say 50-50? Uh, with your autumn leaves and your food waste or do you do you stick to kind of a number like that? Um, I'd say at least 50-50. Um, if, if you go more carbon, um, as long as you've got your moisture levels right, then more carbon is always a good idea. Okay. Yeah. And more carbon comes from the leaves. Yes. Yeah. And yeah, and I like to say autumn leaves as well because I get people donating leaves to me and I used to just say leaves casually and then people would give me prunings and things but... In our situation, we're looking to balance out the nitrogen in the food waste, so we want high carbon materials, which means autumn leaves and not green leaves. But what happens when it's not autumn? Aha! Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, that's a great question. <laughs> um, we store autumn leaves year round. Ah. So we've um, done a lot of campaigning and messaging and radio spots and things uh, over the past few months talking about autumn leaves and setting up what we like to call leaf towers. Um, And they're pretty simple. Just get some fence posts or star pickets. Um, Oh, that's what I've been seeing. I've been wondering what they are. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) We were kind of like, there's no leaf collection service. Why are people grouping the leaves, like packing the leaves together in these round yeah things along the road to school I think it's become a little bit of a trend like we've, awesome. we've set up a bunch and I've seen I mean people people were doing it before me it's not my idea but um yeah they've I've seen a few more popping up which is fantastic and this was um also collaborating with the ACT government they were um running their own campaign on autumn leaves because they want to try and um, reduce the amount of leaves that are entering our waterways yeah where they can cause problems so, yeah, if you're a keen composter, definitely set up um, whatever storage cage or whatever you can to store some autumn leaves and then you've got them there on hand. And Because another big thing is that just about everyone, sometimes myself included, underestimates the amount of carbon materials that you might need. Um, I don't know why, we just tend to skimp on it and then that's when we get the problems with odours and flies and other things that can happen in the compost heap. Mm. Okay. So we should just quickly describe what you do for listeners who haven't seen you riding around on your bike. Because I don't think we've mentioned that yet. How Brooke, <clears throat> I live quite close to Brooke. And I've seen Brooke, uh, no matter what the weather is, uh, no matter what the conditions are. <laughs> yep, that's true. <laughs> on her bike, um, the bike with the big um, bucket at the front. What do we call those yeah. bikes? Like the cargo yeah, it's, it's a trike actually, and it's got a nice big, like, yeah, front bucket for carrying lots of. And Brooke bits. actually goes around to different people's houses who put out the front of their house a bucket um, with their food scraps in it for Brooke to come past and collect. And this is a subscription service that people can um, pay to join up. And Brooke then goes along, picks it all up, and then brings it back to her, either to your house or to the shop composting, or does it all go back to your house? Yeah, we kind of. Um Oh, it's, it's like a whole network set up and we kind of have to do a lot of loading and unloading and then consolidating contents of buckets together and then feeding the composters. And we it's, it's quite a logistical puzzle, but we manage all that 
to, again, try and get the efficiency so that we can keep our service fees really nice and low. Like we're just talking about a couple of dollars a week. Yeah. Um, yeah, so that people who um, can't compost themselves because they don't have room can can jump on board and have an option to recycle their food waste. And it's been unbelievably popular, right? Yeah, yeah. We've um, we've got so many households in Watson and Hackett at the moment enjoying the service. Um, we have run the service in other suburbs previously, but um, we kind of to make to make it all work with the economics of it and paying our staff. We need at least 50 households in a suburb to, to get on board. So we what we ask people to do is pledge for our service, which is simply just getting in touch with us and saying, I'm in X suburb, I would love to see you run a service here. And then when we find 50 people in a suburb telling us that, then we can roll out. Mm, how many of the... So I've seen them. It's not just your backyard anymore, is it? You've built purpose-made composting structures that are in other places. How many of them do you have around? Yeah, so we've got five um, public composting hubs. Wow. Um, our latest one was built in Hague Park. So that's one that's very easy for lots of people to visit and check out. And we, yeah, we would encourage you to do so. Um, they're fairly subtle. They're, they're made out of recycled timber and they're only about three metres long. But the impressive thing is that they can take care of eight, at least 80 households worth of um, food scraps. Wow. And what size is that to handle 80 households worth? Is it, do you say, uh, dimensions kind of, I guess? Yeah, about about three metres long. So it's just shy of like three cubic metres that it holds. Um, and But we, it's all about the management. And so if you do check them out, um, if you get up really close and <laughs> really stick your nose in, you might be able to um, detect a little bit of odour. But we've got our special tricks to to keep them really innocuous and pleasant and mm. kind of, uh, yeah, a nice addition to our public streets. <laughs> How important <laughs> is the design and the construction of the, the vessel to make it all work? Like your composting machine seems different to, well, not, it's not a machine, but your little setup seems different to your average bay or black bin in a backyard. Mm. Yeah, it does have a couple of moving parts there. <laughs> um, but it's, it's, Quite well designed, also just for ergonomics for our staff um, that are getting in there. And we do get in there to each composter about twice a week and do some manual work on them with the pitchfork. It's <laughs> it's old style, but um, works really well. Um, and they're, they're pest proof, so they're lined with a wire mesh. Um, just in case any pests want to investigate what's in there, they can't actually get in. Um, and that also the wire mesh allows some air to get in and out as well because air is very important to the composting process. Mm. And there's a magic number in composting, isn't there, of around 60 degrees Celsius, which means that we can compost a lot of those products that are made and that are called biodegradable and, you know, um, do, the, do it properly. Is there a secret to keeping it 60 degrees and above? Um Yes. So, yeah, our, our composters are hot composters. Um, so if you've – most backyard compost heaps are what are, what are referred to as cold composters because they're just a little bit slower and they um, don't have the extra microbial activity to get up to temperature because a compost heap is a living thing and it um, if, you, if you get it going really efficient, efficiently, it um, – 
it produces its own heat just through the action of all the little microbes. It's really, really amazing, actually. Um, and it's kind of acting like a stomach. Yeah. Like yeah. It's <laughs> a bit random. I've just had Brooke go, what? It's <laughs> <laughs> really weird. I have not heard that analogy before. Um, so maybe it's not like a stomach. But it is like the, it's processing and you need the microbes and you need yeah. all those organisms. I'll pay that. Yeah, thanks. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, there's definitely, definitely some similarities. <laughs> um, and in terms of, in terms of oh, tricks to, to get your compost hot, um, it's keeping an eye on the four main ingredients. So we've talked a little bit about carbon and nitrogen and how those um, – Elements need to be in balance. Um, You have to have the right moisture levels and it's kind of a Goldilocks zone where not too wet, not too dry. (laughs) Um, And then air. And and you can introduce air in lots of different ways, but um, what an important consideration for that is texture of the ingredients that you're putting in. Yeah, right. Is there a preferred texture? Um... Yeah, well, not too chunky, not too fine. Ah, <laughs> so yeah, I get I get finicky about a lot of things yep. in this. Into um, we at the bottom of our composters, you'll usually see um, a little bit of wood chip, um, and I've had people offer me piles of wood chips and stuff. But I've been known to say, no, that's too chunky. We don't want it because ah. <laughs> basically, yeah. the woody material, if it's um, yeah too too woody and chunky, it will just take too long in our system because. Yep. Our, our system's really nice and quick. We produce compost in under a month and so we want everything in there to take about the same amount of time. Occasionally, we've had someone regularly give us a whole coconut, wow. <laughs> which is a bit strange. Like, I can understand half a coconut, but not a whole coconut. <laughs> <laughs> um, and, yeah, that, that's something that takes a little bit longer because it's quite woody. <laughs> yeah. So do you need to go through with the buckets that you get from the community, you need to go through and sort the buckets and do you get out a big knife and chop everything up more finely if it hasn't been chopped up? Uh, no. We um, have occasionally done a favour for some local schools and taken like a whole stack of paper plates from them. Um, in those cases, we'll um, chop up, though we'll run those materials through a chipper mm-hmm. um, and get them a bit more prepared. We do have people ask us about compostable plastics and like compostable bags, like a lot of um, mailing satchels. There's quite a few companies supplying compostable plastics for those, which is fantastic. Um, we just, in those cases, we ask people to cut the bags up into strips so they mm-hmm. go a little bit quicker and mm. yeah. But it's important for the listeners at home to realise that those compostable bags and packaging and whatnot they actually need to be done in a proper compost system like yours, not thrown into landfill or else it doesn't really matter, does it? Well, it does. Is it a slight improvement but you're still going to get a huge amount of methane released, is that right? Yeah, it's it's actually a really tricky issue and, and I think we're all going to go through – a somewhat difficult transition period like we um a lot of manufacturers are moving to using more new materials that are compostable um but it's it's going to be really confusing for everyone (laughs) in the meantime um yeah it's so 
There are Australian standards for home compostable and industrial compostable and there is a globally recognised little logo as well, which hopefully people can look out for. It's called the Seedling Logo. Um, but, yeah, it, so it do, you should put a little bit of thought into um, the materials that you might be putting in your own compost heap or, or giving to us and, and just check check with the brand or the manufacturer is always a really good idea mm. um and yeah those um compostable cups and plates and things that are coming out they're not good to send to landfill and they're definitely not good like you can't put them in the recycling stream and some people get a bit confused about that mm. but it, this just means that as a nation we need more composting facilities Mm -hmm. and this is recognised in the national um, waste policy Um, and so all of the states are supposed to be getting on board and helping support composting businesses that already exist as well as um, building new facilities around the country. Yeah right Um, so just to take it right down to the very basics of why this is so important obviously we want to minimise our landfill and the, the stuff that we put in the hole but also that organic materials put in with plastic which is essentially the rest of the landfill kind of suffocates right and releases methane which is a really dangerous greenhouse gas it's something like 20 times more potent than carbon dioxide is that right yes yeah i was um i was actually at an event last night where someone asked a question about methane and i was um very pleased to have um professor mark howden Ah. uh, with me there so that he could put the right numbers on things (laughs) um because i i hear lots of people claiming different numbers like 20 times up to 35 times more dangerous than carbon dioxide and the, the issue there is that um the calculations are done over different time frames um but yeah, he said the, the the figure that you should be using is 28 times more wow. dangerous. So yeah, it's definitely... I mean, whatever figure you put on it, it's not great. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Forget the numbers. Yep. Just, just remember that it's bad news. Yeah, 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 exactly. And backyard compost stations can also release methane if they're not managed correctly. Is that right? Yeah, yeah. And th- this is a hard one because like, it's, it's really nice to encourage people to compost. But unfortunately, on average... Um, your backyard compost heap is not doing a whole lot of good. Mm. Um, so, yeah, based based on previous research. Cause, and I guess that's also because we get told, oh, do composting, it's really easy. And then people kind of forget that you should take a little bit of care and attention and management over it and just to make sure it's not getting flooded with water or too dried out or those kinds of things. Is there a key thing that people need to look out for in their backyard composts? Add more carbon. <laughs> um, Go on, yeah. pick up all those autumn leaves, people. Yeah, like I said, there's um, everybody underestimates it. Like some people don't get the message that you should be adding carbon materials, and they think, oh, I can just keep dumping food waste in every single week. And um, the one of the kind of good and bad things about plastic composting units is they're really good at absorbing odor. So you might think, oh yeah, it seems to be fine. Um, But then, for instance, if you open your compost bin and get a face full of fruit flies, then there's not enough carbon in there. Mm. Yeah, okay. Um, Yeah, and egg cartons are amazing. So, yeah, if you haven't gotten organised and got your autumn leaves together and it's summer and just – and ask all your friends and neighbours for egg cartons, they will be super happy to give them to you. Mm. Okay. So do compost at home. Just get involved in the process. Don't see it as a dump. 
check it each week, make sure there's enough carbon. And turning is really important too, isn't it? Getting the air through. Yeah, yeah. And these days you can get one of those like corkscrew turners yeah. from Bunnings that a lot of people have seen. Or, the or, or from center. the environment centre, sorry. <laughs> oh, shouldn't mention the big green box. <laughs> um, so this yeah, is kind, but they're widely of, available. It's kind of like, um, you know, it's the same with recycling. Like you don't just think, well, I'll just chuck everything in the recycling bin. Like you need to think about what it is you're putting in there and look at the label and be a little bit a little bit more thoughtful and a little bit more considered, which is what we're now saying with composting too. Like you actually need to think and act a little bit and take care of what you're putting out there. Yeah, yeah. And I know um, with all of this waste management, like people are trying to come up with ways to make it easier for people because everyone, everyone's got plenty of other stuff on their minds. That's fine. But I guess, I mean, that's why, that's another reason why I was happy to start Capital Scraps. Um, the aim is to make it easy for everyone else like if you're we've got people for instance who they found their compost bin has become full and um maybe they're not ready to get in there and open it up and um start another one so they can use our service for just a couple of months we've got um people on maternity leave who are like yeah i'm gonna i'm gonna start my own compost setup but i'm just a bit (laughs) <laughs> sleep deprived and <laughs> whatever else so they you know you can sign on to our service and use it for a few months and um yeah just uh, and that's oh there's so many things in terms of sustainability where is if we act as a community we can all help each other out and reduce the mental load with all of these yeah. things yeah that that lead that idea of community leads really nicely into a question i wanted to ask where you've you've described capital scraps as a social enterprise so you said it's a social enterprise committed to community composting of household kitchen scraps. So how important is this, like the community, um, the community aspect? Like I know there's there's another thing I read where you've written that you want to revitalise the community around the issue of climate change, and this is you know by the composting that's one thing that you are revitalising the community about. And then also we should link in, we should note that you're currently also the director of Sea Change. Yep. So I think all of those things put together, um, community and community action is something that's obviously very dear to your heart. Do you want to talk about that a little bit? Yeah, sure. So um, I think, yeah, one of the really wonderful things about composting is, I mean, there's there's lots of details and things if you really want to get into it, but you can break it down to a simple level and it is something that everyone can have a go at like yeah you can set up your own compost bin you can set up your own worm farm or you can do it together as a community um and sea change is an organization that's been around in canberra for a while it's all about enhancing sustainability efforts at the community level in canberra um and sea change have done wonderful things in the past with sustainable housing and renewable energy and electric vehicles um, but a criticism of some of those actions is that they're not necessarily accessible to everyone. Um, like maybe you don't own your own home, maybe you can't afford an electric car, maybe you live in an apartment and the body corporate won't listen to you when you say, I want solar panels <laughs> on our apartment block. Um, but yeah, um, composting, and especially with capital scraps, um, everyone can get involved. Uh, and that 
feeds in really nicely to things like community gardens. Yeah. Um, if we ever have excess compost that we've made at Capital Scraps, we we offer it to our contributors first up um, and they can have some compost back. Um, but yeah, we, we make donations of compost to community gardens. Um, and that's just a really nice idea, the fact that the <clears throat> what was seen as a waste is now being used as a resource, like on a suburb basis, like without using big trucks as well. And yeah, lots of really good things and that are easy for people to get involved with. Yeah. Um, do you have another question for Brooke before we jump into our hero round? I think we're up to the hero round. All right. Well, um, I'll go first. Uh, congratulations, Brooke, and it sounds like well-deserved. You've just been elected <laughs> president of the world. Right. Uh, what is the one change that you try to implement first? Um, yeah, I think I'm just going to – I'm going to stick with the compost theme. <laughs> <laughs> and um, there was actually exciting news uh, just last week. There was a new bill introduced to the House of Representatives in the USA – that um, I forget the the complete name of the bill, but the acronym is compost, mm. and it's it's a compost bill. And so wow. yeah, they've they've put it forward, and there's this, and they note in there that community compost um, should be considered as well. So um, some of the interested parties that progressed this were um, producers of those compostable plastics. So they're kind of saying, yeah, this is a good option as long as we have like support for composting out there so um community composting in australia is not really very well recognized like when when i say community composting to people they think community gardens um but it can be so much more than that so i think i just yeah raise the profile of community composting yeah and is your little operation well it's not little anymore it's growing but how scalable is it in the decentralized kind of model that you're operating under yeah, it's it's really nice. It's linearly scalable. So um, by that, I just mean that wherever the demand is, if a particular suburb, like we're, we're getting a bit of demand from Braddon at the moment, seeing as there are so many apartment blocks. Um, so that is likely to be our next expansion. And then, yeah, if word catches on in other suburbs, then we can just head there. And so... Governments around Australia have um, had to rely on kind of the old model of centralised processing where you have to gather up all the little bits and pieces of waste and then take them to one spot. And and that results in a lot of transport emissions and and things like that. But we can um, kind of just spread out where it's needed um, and do it much more cleverly. Awesome. Um, So it's 2030. Describe the world that you see around you. Uh, it's greener, yeah. <laughs> for yeah. sure. Lots more plants growing everywhere. Plants are amazing. Um, so edibles and natives and flowers for pollinators and shade trees. Um, and underlying all of that is healthy soils. Um, another thing that people don't talk about super often is that we have a soil shortage globally. So, um, Compost is a really great component that helps you build soil, um, and yeah, we just we just need lots of extra healthy topsoil to be able to grow more plants, and and then we get all the health and social benefits from that as well. So we're talking about taking care of people as well as taking care of the environment. I think. 
Well, to take care of people, we need healthy soils. Healthy soils, healthy food, healthy people. Yeah. It's all related. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. And mental health as well. Yeah. Okay, so who are your environmental heroes, Brooke? Oh, uh, um, it's actually, I've got a few generous people who have subscribed to Capital Scraps um, and they don't use our service. So they are keen composters themselves and they love compost and they <clears throat> recognise how important compost is. So they regularly pay those like few dollars a week to us just to make sure that we can survive. So That's I so think lovely. that is really generous. Yeah. Um, we've had a few other donors along the way as well. And it um, like the mental health benefits for me from, <laughs> from yeah, that is amazing. Yeah. 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 yeah, That's incredible. They are real heroes. Yeah. They are. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's cool. Um, what's your hot tip for being more environmentally friendly or environmentally aware? Um, I think the I think it was one of the um, permaculture gurus who um, came up with the saying of like do do what you can with what you um, with what you have. So and start where you are and all of that idea um so don't i'd say don't be too focused on what you think you should be doing to create the most impact but find out what you're excited to do <laughs> um and what um kind of brings pleasure to you and that might mean trying out a whole lot of different things like uh the event we were at last night was talking about electric bikes and cargo bikes and um <laughs> a big thing that stops people from getting on the bike a bit more often is weather. I mean, we've got a really cold day here today, but if you if you get the right gear and some waterproof pants and things, and then you might surprise yourself and like ride around and go, oh, actually, like I feel so much more connected to the world around me. This is amazing. Mm -hmm. So yeah, look look for those moments where you can get some joy out of the things that also just happen to be good for the environment. <laughs> yeah, it seems to be a theme that they... They're all more fun, right? Riding your bike's more fun. Gardening's more fun than going to Coles. Um, all yeah. these different bits. And I've seen you across our social media. You look like you're having a ball when you're riding around <laughs> um, doing your compost run. Yeah, there's this classic picture of you um, on, I think it's on ABC, on the ABC website. You can still find it. Um, uh. Where you're in a yellow raincoat in the rain, standing uh. in front of a compost heap with a massive smile on your face. Yeah. Yeah. Like it just brings <laughs> me such joy. I was looking at it last night going, what a lovely person, like pouring with rain oh. but standing there in her compost with her compost going, this is great. Yeah, yeah. And I, like I surprise myself, like I can be having a day where other things are bugging me and, you know, there's other stuff going on at work or where, whatever it is and um, I'm just generally grumpy about things. And then I turn up to one of our composting hubs, open the lid on it, see the steam coming out and it's just the best medicine. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. Um well, we've, what about we leave our listeners um, with a final slogan or a quote or something that drives you, that's meant a lot to you, that you might be able to share with others? Um, yeah, sure. I think I'm going to start um, running a bit of camp, a campaign to get more people thinking about methane. <laughs> so <laughs> it doesn't sound like the sexiest topic, but um, I'm going to start pushing out the hashtag minimise methane. Um, there was a UN environment program assessment that came out um, 
I don't know, a few weeks ago um, and they did a cost-benefit analysis um, on, okay, what should we do globally to try and halt climate change? Um, and they said, yes, methane is where we should be focusing our efforts because it is so much more dangerous than oh, wow. carbon dioxide. Yeah, right. Yeah. And that includes the landfill gas that's being generated as a consequence of putting food waste and other organics to the landfill. So, um, yeah, I know that not everyone recognises that as a problem, so I'm just going to... Or they think of methane um, and cows. Like yeah. I think the methane-cow connection is quite well known, but I feel that methane, organic waste, I can compost, that will help with the methane problem. Like that link might need to be explored further. Yeah, exactly. Because I do occasionally have someone um, coming to me and saying, oh, well, what's the problem with putting food waste in the landfill because doesn't it compost there? But again, it goes back to those environmental conditions and it's a different state that that material is in. And yeah, you can we can get technical about it, but if you just remember, okay, what we want to do is minimise methane. Mm. And for the average punter, that means don't put your scraps in yeah. the red bin, right? Yeah, exactly. Find somewhere else. Um, uh, share waste. If people haven't heard of share waste, look it up. You can find a neighbour who's willing to take your food scraps. Yeah, beautiful. Or there's Brooke. Yes. <laughs> yeah, look us up. <laughs> yeah, where can people find you um, before you go? Oh, yeah, we've made our website super easy to find. It is compost.org.au. Perfect. Nice. Thank awesome. you so much. Thanks, Brooke. Thank you. Saving the trees and the bees and doing it daily.